Today, we forego our usual interviews to bring you analysis of the news that's shaping New Hampshire. I'm Matt Mowry, Executive Editor of Business New Hampshire Magazine. And I'm Nathan Carroll, Chief Growth Officer of Granite Media Group and founder of Cardinal Consulting. And welcome to BizCast News. That's right. You heard that correctly. BizCast News is a new once-monthly segment analyzing the news stories affecting New Hampshire's economy. Let's dive in. Let's do so. There's a lot to break down. There is. Um, Our first topic this week, the new New Hampshire legislature. Uh, January brought with it the new session and uh, 400 reps, 24 senators. Let's talk a little bit about the makeup of this new legislature. Yeah, there's a lot that they're going to be unpacking. And in our January issue, we have a section called Think Tank, where we have different policy organizations writing about what's going on in our legislature. In January, we had Anna Brown of Citizens Count did a really interesting breakdown of who the legislators are in this session and how that might be influencing what kind of legislation is going to get the most attention? Absolutely. So um, she talks a bit about uh, the most common, well, backgrounds of these individuals that make up the this body. Um, the most common background for incoming legislatures is public service. Yes. These are people uh, well, that have- Not a surprise. <laughs> this is not their first rodeo. No. They've been on planning boards and select boards and- um, uh, their legislative positions. And so a vast majority of the folks coming in um, have some sort of um, public service background. Uh, in fact, uh, and then on top of that, 11% of our incoming representatives are military veterans, That's awesome. which exceeds mm-hmm. the general population where it's 8%. 8%, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's 6% uh, of them, uh, 22 of the representatives, um, have a background in law enforcement or fire departments, uh, and 10% have experience as a teacher or school administrative, um, as a school administrator, uh, not including college professors. Right. So, um, you know, it's interesting the the amount of people coming in that uh, are involved in public service. Now, there is some of the makeup is overrepresented. <laughs> Of what is <laughs> in the general population. Right, so right. so uh, there's a whopping 8% of representatives self-identify as engineers. Hmm. Um, so that is a really interesting um, statistic because engineers make up less than 2% of New Hampshire's workforce. Right. So, right. I mean, the, the, we have an outsized number of engineers here. And what's interesting about that is that um, there's going to be a lot of... Uh, focus on uh, affordable housing issues uh, and and such. And so, you know, whether these engineers are going to, you know, bring a more scientific approach to some of these problems Mm. would be interesting. Uh, Anna points out um, 5% of the, this year's state representatives are attorneys or lawyers um, who legal services only makes up 1% of our economy. Yeah. So again, you know, we have a lot of lawyers that are going to be in the mix and what effect that's going to have. Now, what's also interesting, though, is that there's a lot of underrepresented segments of the economy um, in the legislature. So where um, positions that are a big part of our economy 
are not represented all that well among our decision makers. Right. And maybe the one that comes to mind for folks right away is uh, healthcare, doctors, nurses, EMTs, right? They're busy folks. Um, maybe, you know, with the makeup of our legislature may not actually have time to do this because they have full-time jobs in this industry. 14% of the state's employment uh, falls under healthcare and social assistance. It's represented at about 5% in the legislature. So um, certainly underrepresented. But, right. Um, and perhaps another we big segment. <laughs> yeah. And uh, is manufacturing yeah. 10% of New Hampshire's annual employment. But um, only three representatives have any sort of manufacturing background. Um, and then uh, there's also going to be two restaurant owners, two <laughs> professional this. chefs, yeah, and yeah, a professional yeah. cook yeah. in the House of Representatives. Only 1% of the legislature in this hospitality field, mm. um, which is fall, falls far short of the 7% of New Hampshire employment at food and drink establishments. So um, it'll be interesting to see you know, whether this legislature, legislature is going to um, be able to tackle the issues that are indeed important to our economy um, because, as she points out, people tend towards what they know. Right. Right. Yeah. And and so continuing on that, uh, the, the sort of small or underrepresented um, construction and the trades, um, you know, carpenters, electronic t- uh, technicians, 4% uh, have a, ba- a background in finance. Um, 3% in transportation. Uh, it's so it is, it's also indicative of uh, the, the demand on those careers and the, t- and the, the way in which those folks are working. They may not be, they don't may not seek those roles in legislature because they simply can't because they need to be somewhere else doing something else. Right. And, and, and you know, just because you don't have a background, something doesn't really obviously mean that you don't realize something's important or that they can't put forward legislation in important areas, but it is indicative of where their knowledge and interests lay. Right. And the reason that's important is that um, there's a lot of really deep issues that need to be tackled. Mm. Um, And, you know, in the December issue, Michael Skelton, the head of the Business and Industry Association in the state, laid out the priorities the BIA is asking of the legis- legislature based on the feedback that they got from listening sessions with their members who are the business owners and executives in our community. Right. And so the things that rose up to the issues that rose up to the top that the business community needs the legislature to help with are reducing the cost of energy, increasing workforce availability. Mm-hmm. That means increasing workforce housing, affordable housing. That's going to be a big issue. And increasing childcare options for those in the workforce. Those are the biggest impediments right now to businesses being able to function because if their workers can't get housing, can't get childcare, um, then they can't be in the workforce right. and they're needed. Right. Um, and cost of energy is one of the biggest costs right now that we're facing. And one of the biggest problems, of course, mm. we're facing is the fact that 60% of our energy comes from natural gas, which is very volatile in pricing right now and right. driving increased costs. Um, and New Hampshire is uh, far behind its New England neighbors' investments in uh, renewables. And so we have a less diverse um, energy pool. Right. Um, and the, a, a lot of the problem or the um, causes 
of that are occurring outside of New Hampshire, right? So right. Um, that's another issue is that they're sort of, uh, you know, quote unquote, out of our control, as it were, um, to, to do a lot about or to have major impact on. But you're right. Also, the volatility certainly doesn't help. So there's a lot of um, issues that have been around the state for a while where um, I know over the years we've been talking about the looming crisis in affordable housing and the looming crisis in child looming. care. It's all been and looming. The looming energy crisis yep. and they're no longer looming. looming. They're here, you know. <laughs> and so, um, you know, there's a lot of nonprofits in the state that are um, working on these issues. The business community is getting involved in some of these issues. Uh, we have a story coming up uh, in our February issue um, that talks about uh, uh, a really interesting private-public uh, partnership where businesses have come together in the Upper Valley and made an investment uh, and created this pool of money um, that will allow developers who want to build affordable housing to have access to easy um, cash to do so. Yes. Um, and so, you know, there are things that are innovative happening in our state around this. The question is, can the state pull some different levers in order to help alleviate these situations that we're facing. Right. I think that is the question, whether we have an answer. <laughs> we probably don't. We don't. And, you know, and there's going to be some important levers that they can pull this session because we're going into a budget planning session. And right. so, and, you know, what's important there too is that there's the question of, are we going to have a recession? Mm. Um, you know, in our February issue, the think tank is uh, by Phil Slutton of the uh, New Hampshire Fiscal Policy Institute. Mm -hmm. And Phil, you know, talks about the fact that a recession isn't guaranteed and that New Hampshire's economy is very well positioned to either maybe avoid a recession or at least weather it well um, in terms of that we have very low unemployment. We, you know, most of our population that can work is working, uh, which is great um, that there's a lot of savings that's been built up through the pandemic. Right. So there are a lot of uh, homes that are at least have cushions, financial cushions mm -hmm. built up should something happen. Um, but, you know, the, where there is concern is, you know, those at the lower income levels mm -hmm. and they're the most vulnerable. And so Phil points out that in the budget that's being put together, you know, legislators may want to consider making sure the safety nets are there. Right. Um, and that services snaps, are funded. Right. right. Snap um, funding for, you know, for, for low-income families to access uh food stamps, essentially. Mm -hmm. yep. um, and, you know, that the investments that are made in low-income families when times are uncertain see a higher return in the economy right. overall. Mm -hmm. And so those are some of the decisions that uh, are going to be uh, essential for legislators to look at as we go into this next planning session and establishing our state budget. Absolutely. Okay. Well, Wrapping that up, um, another very, very important issue is something that's not new, unfortunately, uh, to the state, to the state's largest cities, is 
homelessness. Um, we're going to explore the, the recent events that have brought the issues of homelessness back into the spotlight uh, for New Hampshire. Um, it is not just a problem for New Hampshire's largest cities. Um, it's also important to remind listeners and for all of us to think that or to understand that housing insecurity is not just an issue for a select few. And it's not just, say, those people, right, which we sometimes hear, unfortunately. These are all human beings. They're at different points in their lives. They're dealing with different issues, whether that's mental health or financial or a whole host of other issues. Absolutely, Nathan. And, you know, it's a huge policy issue that the legislature and the governor may be having to deal with, that certainly um, mayors and city and uh, select board, city council and select boards are going to be dealing with. Um, And homelessness is on the rise. Uh, We are seeing it uh, this winter with the fact that Shelters are operating at capacity and actually having to turn people away. Right. Uh, that there is a, or was uh, a homeless encampment set up, mentor uh, city as you would, mm. in front of a major um, shelter in Manchester, uh, in which a woman actually died in a tent outside a homeless shelter this winter. Mm. Um, there's been at least a couple of those, uh, of deaths, um, of people who are unsheltered, including a woman who, uh, is under investigation for, uh, who was unsheltered, leaving a newborn baby in yeah. a tent this winter. Yes. Um, and the family has come out and talked about uh, the mental health issues that she's been facing and that led to her homelessness. Right. Um, so it really has come to the fore and, um, so it, it led eight of the uh, mayors of the major cities here in the state to write a letter to the governor taking to task the state for not investing enough in mental health services, addiction recovery, affordable housing, all these issues that you know lead to homelessness, and asking for more resources, uh, which then um, had a pushback from the governor's office. Um, where the governor felt that they were mischaracterizing the what the state had been doing, that the mm-hmm. state's been making investments and mm-hmm. uh, saying that, that some of those um, funds that had been given out to, to communities were mismanaged. Um, but at the end of the day, it comes down to there's a lot of finger pointing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the meanwhile, the homelessness uh crisis is growing in our state um, and there's just not enough capacity. I mean, there are things being done. Um, in Manchester, they recently opened up a senior center mm-hmm. in the evening to be an additional shelter right. because they want to break up the encampment. You know, right. they, they certainly, the city council heard from local business people about what, how the effects that having a homeless encampment um, in the middle of the, the, the downtown mm-hmm. um, is having on, on them. Um, you know, but the problem is, yes, you can break up the encampment if, and, and, you know, they knew in order to do that, they, there needed to be a place for people to go. And that's why right. they opened up this emergency shelter in mm-hmm. the senior center, mm-hmm. um, which did receive some pushback mm-hmm. um, from, from folks in the community as well. Um, but, you know, it doesn't get to the root of the problem still. And so that's where we find ourselves in our state is that there are a lot of different levers being pulled, Mm -hmm. but whether enough resources are are being put in is a question and the lack of coordination is a big one. Right, 
Right. Cause there are, there are so many, uh, amazing organizations that at least have their hand in trying to help individuals, um, trying to, you know, provide services or, uh, you know, medical uh, attention or it's some anything that these folks uh, who are in this situation currently may need. Um, but it's that it's the coordination around that. It's also are these individuals um, ready for that? Are they at a place where uh, they are willing to or want to say, uh, you know, go to a shelter or ask for help uh, because Lord knows we all know as humans that that's hard to do. Um, and so, yes, there's a lot of uh, resources in the state. Um, I guess I would even just say, you know, or ask, I guess I just wonder really, um, you know, how effectively you can get those resources or information about those resources to the individuals who need them when they are housing insecure, when they do not have housing, when they're worried about sort of other, other issue uh, themselves from day to day or their families that are, are also homeless. So, um, sort of a sidebar, but that's just, uh, you know, knowing again, that yes, we have great nonprofits, we have great organizations doing great stuff. Um, but we need more of a coordinated effort, it seems. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are on that cusp. Mm. You know, um, we are in economic uncertainty right now. Uh, it Should we tip into recession? Um, there are folks that um, are on that bubble um, that might tip over. And, you know, it's not the most extreme cases that we can obviously see on the street are people who are living in tents that are unsheltered, mm. do need these emergency shelters, but there is also a large population of the unsheltered who couch surf that right. may not be right. as apparent as yeah. being We homeless. don't see them. Right. right. We're only seeing a small sliver of the population because they're on this corner, because they're, you know, getting together as it were. And, you know, when you're dependent on family and friends um, for shelter, mm. I mean, it may not always be stable you you may one night have a couch to sleep on and mm -hmm. another night you may not right. uh and certainly you know especially for families and and with children that affects the children the lack of stability and their ability to be able to know where the next meal's coming from yeah. um to feel safe to be able to go to school and be nourished and have enough sleep um you know and it affects the ability of adults to be able to go out and look for work. Um, so there's a lot of economic issues related to all this as well, right. as well as that obviously huge human component, mm -hmm. that these are people in our community um, that for various reasons find themselves in these dire situations. Um, and yet, you know, what you see a lot of is a lot of political theater and mm -hmm. a lot of finger pointing which is unfortunate yeah. um yeah. and i think you know this call to we need to do more rings obviously with some truth when you have all these mayors coming together and saying look collectively in our communities mm -hmm. we just don't have enough resources to invest in this and we need the help of the state and i think that you know there's truth to what the governor's office is saying to some extent of mm -hmm we need better management of this then, you know, we can't just throw money at it. Um, that, 
yes, there needs to be more money, perhaps invest that we do need to invest more money right. into the issues that are leading to homelessness. Exactly. So root cause. Exactly. And then, um, but making sure that there is a state plan for mm. it, I think is important mm. um, that recognizes these root causes and that calls for a coordinated effort um, or a more coordinated effort to deal with it. Right. Right. Whether that's even as our last story talked about in the legislature or uh, in some way, um, the governor and and um, teams within the state are great at pulling together. You know, the pandemic was a great example, pulling together uh, groups of people to solve a problem. So, you know, look at Taylor Caswell's office and, and how they were able to coordinate and assist and get money out and 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 create ways to uh, find where the needs are and, and fill those needs during the pandemic. Let's use that that model that uh, and those individuals even uh, to start to also create a coordinated effort around um, getting to the root cause of, of these things and helping. Right. Because often the, the immediate reaction to these are the, is the nuisance part right. of it, right? Right. That we don't want that. It's here. uncomfortable seeing a tent city. Mm-hmm. It, there's crimes that can be associated mm-hmm. with, um, around that, mm-hmm. it, 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 the economic impact it can have to businesses. Sure. But then, you know, the focus then becomes how do we get these encampments broken up and mm. these and, and, and people who are unsheltered um, away from, you know, where they are seen. Right. Uh, instead of then that next step of how how do you help them go from being unsheltered to a more stable life and where they can be more economically independent um, and have you know a, a, a place to to stay. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know it'll be interesting to see moving forward what whether the legislature the local governments and the nonprofits are going to be able to come together to really work together to effectively work on this issue, um, which has just been outgrowing the capacity of nonprofits to be able to handle. I mean, they're just being hit by more people coming in needing services than they have room and staffing to meet. Um, You know, uh, the, shelter we were talking about early referencing mm-hmm. earlier mm-hmm. which is run by families in transition they have a capacity for 138 people and there are some nights they only have two staff members wow which is you know there there was a call for because uh, there's a courtyard a fenced in courtyard mm-hmm. uh there and, and and so some people have been criticizing families in transition for not opening that up and and allowing the encampment to move off the sidewalk to at least inside this courtyard and having porta potties and all that. And, and, you know, families in transition said, you know, we don't have the staff to handle additional people. They're going to be in a courtyard to make sure that they are safe. And we don't think that as a shelter, that's appropriate for us to not, you know, if we're going to take people in, it's, it should be properly right where in, they're indoors and, just, and cared for yes, and yes. not just moved outdoors in a different way. Right. They want to do it right. And with respect. Right. Yeah. So there is, it's a really complicated issue it that is. has just mushroomed. And unfortunately there's not an end in sight right now. That's unfortunately true. 
So we'll uh, we'll keep up to date on those things uh, and other news throughout. And that's our latest BizCast news. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoy the stories and information you heard on today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Murray. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a production of Granite Media.